Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're here. Glad you're ready to study up some uh, the Bible with us as we try to answer some of your questions. If you're a first-time viewer, let me explain very quickly how the program works. Uh, we'll notice a phone number and a website on the screen there at the bottom. You can use either one of those and direct the program yourself. You get to tell us what you'd like to, us to talk about. Uh, just give us a question, anything about the Bible, specific about a verse, a chapter, a topic, a doctrine, whatever, or uh, something happening in your life, maybe your family or work or whatever that the Bible might have something to say about it, we'd be glad to try to research that for you. So any of those kind of things, give us a call, log on, <clears throat> tell us your question and uh, we'll get to it just as quickly as we can. Uh, be a few weeks from now before we can get it on the air, but we try to work through them pretty much in order and uh, we will get to it. So that's the way the program works. Let me introduce you to the gentleman that helps me answer questions. Hi, Toby. Toby Levering's here. Good morning, and glad you're here and ready to go. And we've got a question for our viewers before we get started on the viewers' questions. Uh, which angel made the announcement to Mary? Uh, not many angels named in the Bible, but this one was named. And we'll give you the answer at the end of the program, see if you and your family know that bit of Bible information. Looks like I drew the first one today, so let's see what our viewer wants to know. Uh, who fell down and his insides came out? Uh, sounds like a yucky question, as my grandchildren would say. Uh, but there's somebody's been reading the Bible, and I can't remember who that was or where they saw the verse maybe, but I'll give you two verses. Of course, it's Judas who betrayed Jesus. And there's some controversy about how he died because two verses kind of sound like they give a different uh, perspective, but let's see if we can put them together. The first one's Matthew 27 verse 5 and it says, throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple he departed and he went and hanged himself. So Judas after he had betrayed <coughs> Jesus he threw the silver back at the Pharisees and all that and he departed and went and hanged himself. Then Acts when it tells the story in 118 it says that the one who betrayed Jesus fell headlong and burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. Well, that is gross and yucky, but that's the account. Now, it sounds like maybe he died two different ways. One he hung himself and one he jumped off a cliff or something. I think it's actually pretty easy to accommodate. Uh, he hung himself. He got a rope and tied it to a tree of some sort and hung over a cliff. Uh, and at some point either the rope broke or came untied or the limb broke and uh, he fell down and broke open. Uh, it was sounds like it might have been a day or so later when it happened, uh, but both things happened. Uh, so we can reconcile them that way. So the answer to our viewer's question is Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. 
Okay, good answer. <laughs> Our next, uh, although very, very graphic, <laughs> but you got to do it. Second question is uh, a viewer would like to know what the phrase, the meek shall inherit the earth. This phrase comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Let's look at this together on the screen. We're, and this is exactly what it says. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, <clears throat> there is a, an idea that meek means, you think of meek as a mouse, meek and mild. Meek uh, <coughs> basically just means weak. And in certain contexts, that can be the meaning of it. Uh, a better biblical definition and probably the way Jesus intended uh, is gentle and self-controlled. This is, uh, I heard it once described as, great power under exceptional control. These are people who uh, may not be weak at all, but they have a, a wonderful master of their temperament and they are always in control. They never yield over to their uh, whims and, and their emotions and they're just very in control of the situation. Um, the Beatitudes is where this is found. This is the first uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount, and they all begin with the word blessed. And some people think that just means happy, but Jesus is talking about something deeper than happiness here. He's saying, you're going to be joyful. You're going to be ultimately in the long run, things will be better if you practice this, is the meaning of blessed. And so the, he gives these attitudes of disciples, these behaviors, these distinctive characteristics of people who follow Jesus. And one of them is meekness. It doesn't mean we're weak, doesn't mean we're <coughs> doormats that people walk all over us. It means that we understand that ultimately God is in control. Now, I was doing a little research on this idea of meekness, and uh, some folks believe that Jesus is quoting from Psalm chapter 37, verse 11. This will not be on your screens. I would encourage you to look it up uh, in your Bibles at home. But I'm going to read a little context out of my Bible from Psalm chapter 37, and here's what David writes. <clears throat> Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, and trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. The justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger, turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. This is what Jesus is talking about. It says, you know, there's lots of circumstances in life that can make us angry and fearful and get upset, but ultimately people of God put their trust fully and completely in Him. Those are the meek and those are the ones who <coughs> last. So meekness is an absolute quality that all Christians should strive for. All righty, good. Uh, viewer wants to know, how do you answer someone who says a dead person is in heaven before Judgment Day? Well, I'm sure some of our viewers think, hold it, what did that question say? Uh, it, it's not the way we think about it usually, uh, but I think I can explain it, and I'll try to do it as quickly as I can. We talked about this concept a couple of weeks ago about the interim period between us dying and Judgment Day. Now, that's obvious in the Bible is people die. In fact, thousands of people have died and will die this week. But Judgment Day, when we get sentenced to heaven or to hell, 
uh, doesn't happen for a while. We don't know how long, but when Jesus comes back, that's when we'll be sent to heaven or to hell. He'll say, enter into the joys prepared for you or I'll condemn you to hell. So there's this period of time. And a lot of people understand that or think they understand it well. Uh, we believe that there's a place called paradise and a place called torment and we wait there. It's the place of the dead. Uh, I think we're conscious and know what's going on. I think we're, uh, it's as good as it can get until we get to the real heaven. Uh, but a lot of people understand that and are very serious about that. So if somebody says, uh, somebody that died is in heaven, they want to be very strict and say, well, no, they're not really in heaven yet. Uh, I preached a funeral, and a lot of funerals I'll say about people that they're in heaven, they're with their loved ones, all of that. Uh, and I had an older sister come up after the sermon and uh, say, I surely didn't hear you say that she's in heaven. You know, she's not in heaven yet. And was just coming down on me pretty hard that I got it all wrong. Well, I understand that distinction. But the verse that explains things to me is 2 Corinthians 5, 8, where Paul said, I want to be absent from the body, and then I'll be with the Lord. So I don't know exactly where we'll be, but the Lord's going to be there. Uh, I think it's where He reigns right now, and someday there will be an even better place, heaven prepared for us. Uh, but I think it's not too bad to say that we're in heaven, although we technically know we aren't in the final heaven yet. Now, the question was, how do you respond to somebody that says a dead person's in heaven? Well, it depends. If it was my granddaughter uh, who said somebody's died and is in heaven, I'd agree with her. I'd say, yeah, that's right. Uh, there's no reason to go into all this theology and stuff. That's good enough explanation for a young person or a new Christian or a babe in Christ. Somebody that wants to explain, understand the theology of it and says, somebody that died yesterday, are they in heaven today? And they wonder about it. I'd be glad to sit down and study with them and say, no, I think they're in this interim place, the place of the dead, and they're rejoicing, and that's where their loved ones are, and the Lord is there somehow. Uh, so I think they're fine, but they're not in technically heaven yet. So how would I respond? A lot of people I wouldn't worry about it a bit, and some people I would be glad to try to reason it out with them. But I think that's the way it works, and uh, I don't think we need to be quite so strict about the afterlife. We don't know much about the afterlife. Our, our goal ought to be able ought to be to be ready <laughs> either when we die or when Jesus comes back and not worry too much about what happens afterwards. If we're ready, it'll be good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, and I think, as you alluded to, I mean, we. I think every understanding of the afterlife, somebody's going to be surprised when we get there. I mean, oh, we, we're we all just, we, be we just, we just, good it is. Yeah, or? exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't, uh, I think that's the kind of the, the, the mystery of it is, yeah, it leads uh, to the excitement. I want to be ready when, yeah. whenever it happens. All right, let me take this moment and talk about a good way to study the Bible. We've got some uh, free Bible study materials that we've been offering on this program since we started almost 30 years ago. And we've had thousands of people go through these courses and tell us they learned a lot about the Bible. So we're happy to provide them to you also. If you've got any interest in sitting down in your own home and learning some more about the Bible, uh, we can help you with that. A lot of good ways to study the Bible, but we think this is one of the best 
there are a number of different courses. The first one's got eight lessons in it. You see it there on the screen. Uh, colorful lessons, well done. Not any denominational doctrine, not tied to any church. It's just a Bible study. And introduces you to your Bible at a very basic level. And once you get that groundwork where you kind of know what's in there and how to study it, uh, we've got some more advanced courses that you can go on and learn about other parts of your Bible and uh, go into Jesus' life in detail and some of those kind of things. So a lot of good ways to study the Bible. We think this is one of the better ones, and we offer it absolutely free. We pay the postage both ways. Uh, no cost to you at all except a little bit of your time, and you manage that yourself. Uh, if you decide it's not helpful for some reason, you don't have to continue, and you won't be bothered in any way. Uh, but we think you'll like it and you'll study it to the end like most of our students do. So sign up for that phone number, website, tell us you want that course. We'll get it started. All right, Toby, Jesus and being a spirit. Oh, yeah, this should be a pretty easy one to answer. Uh, the question is, after his resurrection, Jesus was known by people, but wasn't he a spirit then? He walked through a door, so he wasn't flesh and bone. My answer to this question is yes. Uh, he was in a resurrection body, and uh, what exactly that entails, we don't know. You are exactly right to all of those things. Uh, he was in some form a spirit, not a fleshly body, but he had parts of him that, you know, Thomas was able to put his hand into his side. He ate with them. He talked to them. So there was something about that resurrection body that allowed him to do physical things and yet he walked through a door so uh, I think that I am not sure of the answers to that um, I think we look at scripture and it can help us but it's one of those things that I think um, we won't know till we get one fully how it works and maybe even then uh, but I understand and believe that God can handle all of that just right. Let's look at John chapter 20, verses 26 through 29. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the, though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Uh, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Then Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Uh, and I think that's where we are today. Uh, we don't have the advantage of even being able to witness what Thomas or the other disciples did. Uh, and yet we have the beautiful blessing of being able to believe in spite of that. That's what faith is all about. Uh, even those who witnessed it, I'm not sure they could have fully explained it if we sat down with Thomas and interviewed him. Could you tell me, Thomas, how Jesus was able to walk through a door and yet you were still able to touch him and hear him and all of that? Uh, I'm pretty sure even Thomas would struggle to understand. But for 40 days or thereabouts, uh, Jesus had a resurrection body on earth. It was, uh, po it was different from his physical body, and yet it was not a full spiritual thing. Um, and to some degree, it was physical. Uh, like we said, there were, he had scars in there. He could eat, he could touch, he could talk, he could walk. Uh, to some degree, it was spiritual. He could walk through the doors. He could make himself unrecognizable. Uh, how that works together, we don't know. It's just one of the beautiful mysteries of God and one of the 
beautiful mysteries of the resurrection. Uh, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 50 and following. Paul writes there, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Now, that's exactly how it works, but uh, to be able to fully explain it, we'll just have to wait till we get there someday. But uh, we, can, we can be assured that it happened and assured that if we're in Christ, uh, someday we'll resurrect in the same way. Alrighty, thank you, Toby. I uh, just noticed when I looked at my next question that we're on a roll here. We don't know the answers yeah. to, to anything this morning. <laughs> Here's another one I don't know the answer to. The viewer wants to know, do babies grow up to be adults <clears throat> in heaven? Well, what I can tell you is the Bible says not one word about that. The Bible doesn't say anything about that, and it seems kind of strange when you think about it that we wouldn't have more details about that, but we don't. Uh, it just talks about us being in heaven. Uh, God's going to take care of that somehow. Uh, I don't know if, if a baby grows up to be an adult, how old would they grow up to be? Uh, if that happens, how about old people? Why don't we regress a little bit and get <laughs> back to middle age or something. We, who knows? Uh, the only theory I've ever heard about this uh, where somebody tried to come up with an answer, and I don't agree with their answer, but I'll tell it to you, uh, comes from 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. And what John says there about the future is he says, uh, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. That's what Toby just said. We don't know what the resurrection body is going to be like. Uh, what we will be has not yet been made known. Then he says this, But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Okay, So we're going to have that kind of body, whatever it is. Now some people take that, or somebody, I don't know how many, but some one person at least has taken that and said, well, we're going to be like him. That means we'll be 33 years old. Now, you can accept that if you want, and it doesn't bother me a bit. Uh, maybe we're all going to be the same age looking. 33 wouldn't be a bad age to be, I guess, uh, if you got to pick one out of everything. But the Bible doesn't say pure speculation. Uh, if so, babies had changed to look like they were full-grown 33-year-olds, and old-timers would go back and look a little better at 33 maybe. So uh, you can want whatever you want on that, but Jesus is going to do it just right when He comes to get us. So absolutely don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> Let me tell you a good uh, church to visit sometime if you happen to be looking for a church home or if you just want to thank some folks that do a good work in your community. Uh, we're supported by the Churches of Christ and we like to mention a couple of those each week. We mention a couple in central Kansas today, Oxford and uh, Pratt. Uh, both have congregations of the Lord's Church in them. Pratt, uh, Brother Steve Triplett preaches out there. I know you'd enjoy hearing him. And, uh, just heard from him the other day about one of our viewers in Pratt that 
I called him and talked to him about baptism and was baptized uh, a couple of days later. So we know the program is reaching out there and we know the folks in Pratt do a good job of supporting this program. So we appreciate them. If you live in one of those communities or any community where you receive uh, Know Your Bible on your TV, you can probably find the Church of Christ near the you. Uh, thank them for providing this program for you. And if, like I said, if you're looking for a church home, drop in sometime. All right, Toby, what you got on yeah, the end a here? Baptism question, and okay. this is a this is a one to think about. It's good that they ask a viewer ask it this way. My church believes it is good, but not mandatory that you be baptized. I too thought this until hearing your broadcast. Does this mean all who are not baptized will not enter heaven? Well, according to the scriptures. Baptism is just as much an important a part of the process as belief, faith, repentance. And Jesus put it all in together. Uh, he told His apostles to teach that. The apostles taught that. Uh, it is all throughout the New Testament. We have no example of a person becoming a Christian uh, without being baptized uh, after Jesus uh, died and res was resurrected. Uh, there's just no example in there. Every one of them, uh, they eventually get around to being baptized. Now, I've heard this, uh, that baptism is merely an outward sign of an inward grace, uh, that we do it not uh, to be saved, but because we've been saved. And I have, quite frankly, never understood this reasoning, at least in line with Scripture. Um, to me, that almost sounds like more of a works-based type system. I mean, if it's good but not mandatory, why do it? I mean, is it for extra credit points? Uh, well, I mean, really, what is the purpose of it if Jesus doesn't require it? Doesn't it just seem to be adding and, you know, here's something you can do but you don't have to do? Uh, and, and when you look at Scripture, Jesus was just so adamant and along with the apostles about the necessity of immersion, of, of baptism, uh, as a part of the, the coming to Christ process, it's just hard to put it any other way. Uh, people will say, well, we don't earn our salvation. I, I believe that. We do not. I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith. Uh, but baptism doesn't earn my salvation any more than believing does, any more than repenting does, any more than having faith does. Uh, it, it's just a part of the, of the process. It's, God gives me the gift of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, His Son, and He says, if you want this gift, here's what you do to accept it. You believe, you confess Him as Lord, you repent of sin, and you be baptized for the remission of your sins. It's just so clear within Scripture. And I know there are all these cute little sayings to come up with other doctrines of why you don't need to do it. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what you said at the beginning of your question, and that is, my church believes. And that's where we on this program really strive to get away from what churches believe, we just want you to open your Bible and study your Bible and look at what the Scripture says. And that's ultimately what you'll be held accountable to and for. Let's read Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 and 19 very quickly here. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority has been given uh, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus didn't put any, you know, uh, oh, this is a fine thing to do if you want it. 
uh, but it's not really necessary. No, Jesus told the apostles, this is what you need to do, and this is what they did. Uh, so there's, there is a, a very important distinction we've got to understand. And so if you have a church that believes this this way, and you're sincerely convicted, not by us on this program, not by other churches, but just by the Word, sincerely and in a spirit of love and grace, take your Bible, go to your pastor or to your preacher, read through the verses and say, this is what the Scripture says, and I really believe I need to do it because this is what Jesus and the Lord want me to do. Uh, and if you can't convince them to do it, then you need to find a, a group who, you know, really truly centers on the Word, and that's important. So, uh, Let me just add just a little bit there. Toby, you sounded a few times in that answer like, you just can't believe why people can't see it so clear. Yeah. You know, it just says right there. Yeah. Um, I think if we understand history a little bit, we can see why some folks teach the way they do. Uh, back in the 1500s, 1600s, uh, Christianity had come to a point where baptism had become nothing but just an act of putting some water on somebody. Yeah. It didn't have much to do with faith or repentance or understanding Jesus or anything. If you just had some water on you, you were saved. And that didn't make sense to folks like Martin Luther. Mm -hmm. And he was such a great scholar. Uh, he thought through that and thought, that's not right. And faith is more important. So what happened is what the Bible says is faith and repentance and confession and baptism, just like you said, equal salvation. But it had happened that pendulum had swung over to where, yeah, well, just yeah. put some water on you and you're okay. Yeah. And Martin Luther said, no, we got to bring it back this way. Well, he went clear the other way <laughs> and he said, it's faith, faith only. Yeah. Okay. James specifically says it's not faith only. Yeah. You got to do something too. And Martin Luther's reaction to that was James ought to be taken out of the Bible <laughs> because it didn't agree with his theory. But he, what he did was just swung the pendulum clear That's over. A good point. Yeah. And the Reformed Church today and all who follow those teachings uh, stay over there and say, yeah. no, baptism can't have anything to do with it. Yeah. So it's from this historic misapplication of the Bible both ways that we get confused. Like you said, read the Bible and it's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me see if I can squeeze one more question in. I know I can. What's the timeline between the Old Testament and the New Testament? There are about 400 years in there. Uh, Malachi was written about 400 B.C. And during that time, Alexander the Great was conquering things and uh, Cleopatra and Julius Caesar and all that was happening in that time frame of about 400 years between the Testaments. And then we started counting A.D. when uh, Jesus was born, the year of our Lord. So uh, if that's what our view meant, about 400 years between the last part of the Old Testament and the first part of the, the New Testament. All right, we're out of time for questions, but we're glad you've been here today. Uh, let's make sure we get our trivia question answered. <clears throat> and it is about which angel made the announcement to Mary. Well, I imagine a lot of our folks uh, view this program got that right. And the answer is Gabriel. Look in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. 
Uh, Gabriel is one of the few angels that we know his name. And he came and made some pretty important announcements. So that's the answer for you. Uh, if you hadn't signed up for that correspondence course, we hope you'll get that done pretty quickly. Uh, today would be a good day to do it. Log in and tell us you want it. We'll get it to you. Uh, we're going to be back next week trying to answer some more of your questions. We've got a bunch of good ones saved up. Always do. Looking forward to answering those for you. So come back next week and we'll see if we can uh, find out the answer to some of them that we have saved up. Uh, a lot of folks I meet out in public tell me sometimes, yeah, that correspondence course sounds good. Uh, I'm going to sign up for that someday. Do that today. We're glad you've been with us. Come back next week. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.